Welcome to Americana One. This is Ken Paulson, and we are so pleased to sit down with Paul Thorne, one of our favorite artists on the planet. Uh, never disappoints, and uh, has been good to WMOT. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, you're pretty much the Elvis of WMOT, Paul. You're, yeah. you're on the air all the time. Well, I have to give one person credit for that, Jesse Scott. Ah, yes. Jesse Scott, when, I, my, when my first record came out 20 years ago, and I got dropped... She was one of two people that played my record on her radio. It was uh, her and uh, Laura Hopper from K-Pig out in California. They were the first two people that ever played my music. And, you know, just like uh, me, uh, there have been a few times when Jesse got kicked to the curb for different reasons. But, but we rose from the dead, and now <laughs> she's the big dog over there at WM... How you say it? M-O-T. M-O-T. And, uh, and she didn't forget about me, and I didn't forget about her. Well, that's a great which relationship. Which led me to be here with you. Well, thank you so much. I owe, I owe, uh, owe Jesse a lot. I, we, um, we actually rebuilt our station. It was jazz and classical, and we were the 45th ranked station in Nashville. And there were 45 stations in Nashville. Well, and we brought Jesse in and turned it to Americana. Ten point the problem is step one. Yeah, yeah. Then you got to change everything. It looks yeah. like we're heading in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. it's like seventeen now with a with a bullet. Good, so, yeah. awesome. So it's all that Paul Thorne music. That's awesome, there. man. I'm just so happy to be on the playlist. You know? <laughs> well, I'm happy to meet a fellow talk show host. Your your tales and ales. Oh yeah. <laughs> Are you still doing that? Yeah, yeah, I did. I do this thing called Tales and Ales. It's sponsored by Lagunitas Beer, and it's where I just sit down with people that's in my world of Amer Americana music, and I, we just talk and we just have fun. And there's we don't have a script. I don't. I, we, I don't even know what I'm going to say. We just kind of like I'm doing with you. We just start talking and have fun. Are you on Kayamon this year? No, this year I'm doing the Joe Bonamassa okay. thing. It'll be a different crowd, and I'm always looking how, to get into front of people who don't know who I am. Right. That's the trick is to get new customers, you know. Well, I'm kind of relieved because I'll be on the next Kamo doing a, my thing. Oh yeah. And you I will be competing with you and you've got all that star power. No, it's just it's no, it's we wouldn't be competing with me. We'd just be doing we'd be sharing our friends. Yeah. What know? I find what I what I'm impressed by your show, obviously your vibe, which is a very relaxed one and they're obviously friends of yours, but you have two cameras. Well, you know that's a big deal. You have a two-camera video. But you know, podcast. you too. If you put your nose to the grindstone, <laughs> you'll get a second camera, and uh, things will start moving up for you too. Okay, I appreciate the inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, for the last year, we've been playing uh, "Don't Let the Devil Ride," and uh, and I know that because you turn out records with pretty good regularity, you must have something coming. Yes, I do. Um, you know, the uh, last record I did was Don't Let the Devil Ride with the Blind Boys of Alabama, and that was a wonderful experience, and I'm glad I got to do it, because I always wanted to do a gospel record. But now, uh, in fact, um, in a couple of days, a few days, I'm going to Memphis, back to the same place I recorded the gospel album, where Elvis used to record, and I'm recording a, a group of secular songs, going back to what I normally do, which is singer-songwriter. And uh, it took me a long time to come up with these songs because, to be honest, uh, I wrote some songs, but I, I, I didn't feel like I was coming up with any good ones. So huh. it, it took a lot longer than normal. You know, I haven't put a record out of original material in, in almost six years. Wow. Uh, but now I have the group of songs that I've whittled down, that I've really worked on, and I feel good about. 
And uh, I'm really excited because uh, there's a lot of good, I, I, I'm happy with the songs. Without the songs, you have nothing. So right. I feel good about that. And uh, uh, one of the songs I'm going to sing is a, a song I wrote with Carol King 20 years ago. Wow. I, I wrote the song with Carol King 20 years ago and I sat on it because it didn't feel right on the albums I did, but it fits on this one I'm doing now. So I got a Carol King song I wrote with her. I'm proud of that. Cause you know, cause she's Carol King, and I'm proud of the song. And also, uh, I'm gonna have a guest on my uh, a duet guest, um, somebody you not very well known, but his name John Prime, and uh, he's singing on my record. And uh, and I'm it's like a it's like a buddy song kind of thing. And he, I reached out to him, and I've known him for years, and he said yes. And it's like there's a lot of good things happening, and uh. The uh, great producer, Matt Ross Spang, who's won five Grammys, doing what he does is producing. And so a lot of really nice things are lining up for me. And, you know, if I can keep my health and, and keep my nose clean and do the right thing, is, there's potential for growth yeah. and good things. Yeah, I think the sky's the limit for you. Uh, Mac Weissman's record with John Prine was so nice. I don't know if you've heard that. It's just, the, you talking about John's record? Yeah, John, oh, yeah, John Mac Weissman. And that, you know right. John, well, and his stuff with Iris DeMent. You know he, he feeds off his duet partner. And yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm glad you, you raised songwriting because we are at the 30A Songwriters Festival. And, and I just want to take just 20 minutes and just pick your brain about the process of songwriting. I'm sure a lot of young songwriters in this festival just they, their jaw drops because not only you're a very very good songwriter but you are a funny songwriter which is really hard to be and then you're sometimes inspirational always thought-provoking it's a I'm sure you intimidate a lot of a lot of the next generation you say how in the world could I do that stuff but you go back don't you like fame weren't you like in the very beginning a yeah. songwriter with fame in the very beginning I was signed to by Rick Hall to be a staff writer at Fame, and uh, and that was a good good learning experience. I got to co-write with some great writers and learn the craft. Yeah. And uh, and do you and do you um, were you tailoring it to a certain genre or voice at that time? Well, all my songwriting mentors were country songwriters, and and when I say country, I'm I'm talking about uh, classic country, you know, where the the songs are they're like stories. They have a, a beginning, a middle, and they have an end, and they usually have a chorus in the middle that's memorable, right. and uh, that's the school I came up in. So even though I'm not really a traditional country artist, my songs are structured like country songs. They're stories, and they they got a they're, 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 they they got I try to make a chorus that people can sing along with. When you were at Fame, did you get any cuts? Oh yeah, I did. I got cuts. Uh, I got cuts on uh, a lot of people, uh, uh, Toby Keith, uh, Tanya Tucker, Shenandoah, uh, saw, I had a bunch of cuts on Sawyer Brown and just people of that era. But, uh, you know, I, although I got a lot of cuts, I never, I, I got a lot of album cuts. I never had one by somebody else become a hit. But I've had, my resume of songs I got recorded is, it looks good. But you know you have to get that single right, and get up right. in the top ten to uh, to get the uh, 
to get the Lexus SUV. <laughs> were, you, yeah. were, you, were you not well, an artist when you were writing for Sawyer Brown? Uh, yeah, yeah, I was. Well, the reason Sawyer, well, reason Sawyer Brown uh, cut my songs, I didn't even know those guys, but Mark Miller, the lead singer, would get my CDs. Oh, okay. And he would, he would listen to my CDs, and he would like certain songs on there, and, and he would record them. And, uh, and I was... Uh, I probably had six or seven songs recorded by Sawyer Brown, and, and I, they're always really nice to me, and I'm glad I got to do that. You know. Yeah, I'm sure that's the first time I heard your music, and, and I kind of went exploring because yeah, it was like this is different. This is really different. Um, and you've got uh, Billy Maddox. Billy Maddox uh, is. I met Billy Maddox when I was 17, and the way I met Billy is my cousin Stanley, my first cousin, was the keyboard player in Parliament and the Funkadelics. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. And my my cousin came to our family Christmas. And he was, a, to me, he was, he was like a rock star. And so I wanted to impress my cousin, so I played some songs I had written just about, they weren't good songs, but my, my cousin saw that I had talent and potential, so he introduced me to a guy he knew named Billy Maddox, who was a traditional country songwriter that I was telling you about. And Billy taught me the craft. And that's how, without meeting Billy and learning the real craft of writing songs, I may have never learned how to write songs. And, and I'm 55 years now. I'm 55 years old now, and Billy and I have had a business relationship and a friendship ever since I was 17. Wow. All this time. And we have a, you know, we have a, a business together. And years ago, uh, we just made a, an agreement that... Uh, we literally have it's an unusual agreement but we but he earned it he we split everything 50 50. and i wouldn't that wouldn't do that only because he spent the majority of his life molding me and helping me and that's why it's that way worked for lennon and mccartney yeah yeah (laughs) um so we know from the elton john coverage lately about how Bernie wrote the lyrics in one room, and Elton would then put music to it. What's your process? Um, just uh, you know, my process of writing songs is a, uh, you know, little things, little tunes come into my head all day long, and I'll hum them into my iPhone, and then I'll come back later and listen to them, and I'll say, is this really worth pursuing? Or I'll get a lyric, or somebody else say something in a conversation that I find profound that they thought nothing of, and I'll just write it down. And then that's how songs come. You just get little snippets of this and that, pull them out of the air and just put them all together. And then if you're lucky, you'll, you'll string a few of them together and it'll make, it'll, make, it'll make a song. So where does Billy come in there? Um, he does the same way. He does the same way. But uh, Billy, Bill, Billy, for me, he's really good at when I present ideas. He's really smart about letting me know which ones are worth pursuing and ones we need to let go. He's always been good about that. He can spot a good idea, and he's real good at helping me edit things I write, and, uh, and he brings a lot to the table as a songwriter. Yeah. His fa- the biggest song he wrote, as far as a known song, was he wrote that Hank Williams Jr. hit, uh, Heaven Ain't A Lot Like Dixie. Oh, okay. Billy wrote that. Cool. And he and this is all before I met him. He heard he had song a lot of songs that were recorded by, you know, people like T. Graham Brown in the in the nineties era. He had a good run and uh, and uh, 
he just passed on the stuff that somebody taught him and he shared it with me and it served me well. So what would be some basic elements of that? Of what? Of the craft. Uh, if you're talking to an 18 year old who says, Mr. Thorne, can you tell me anything that would be helpful to me? One thing I see a lot of the young writers do is they never learn the craft. They just say, I want to write songs. And they start writing songs and I hear a lot of them and like maybe some of their songs are six and seven minutes long. <laughs> There's no chorus. The melody's monotone. They just don't know. They just think if they put on a cool hat and a scarf that they'll be, you know, the next big thing. But I would just say to the young writers, find somebody who's a professional and just learn from them because you can't do it on your own. You can't. So I want to share, I want to mention a couple of titles and I, I just would love to know how they came about and, and how you really crafted them. You were at the All the Best Festival at Prine, this, mm -hmm. and we, we were in the Dominican Republic covering that. And I've seen you probably 15 times, and I've heard, you know, got all your stuff. Um, but you might be wrong this time. Yeah. I heard it. I mean, I heard it differently than I, and I just thought, that's the most courageous song, <laughs> especially in 2019 or 2020. Yeah. Because you're telling everybody, your religion might not be your religion. Might, yeah. might be might be nonsense. That's right. You know. Tell, tell uh, me where that came from. Well, you know, when I was growing up in the Pentecostal church, I learned about Jesus and I lived in that world. But when I left home at 18, I went out into the broader world and I got to go to other countries. And I met people in other countries who did not pray to Jesus. They prayed to something else. And I sort of realized that what people mostly believe is whatever their culture tells them is true and they accept it without question uh but when you see all these other people uh, you know praying to other gods and stuff and you see the same sincerity that you saw in the good christian people it was a wake-up call for me and i said you know what i really don't know what's on the other side of life and and i feel like people that say they do that sounds arrogant to me because how can you know what's on the other side of life if you're not dead? <laughs> you know, you got to be dead to know what's on the other side of life. Would I like there to be streets of gold? Sure. I just hope hell ain't real. <laughs> because if hell is real, according to the Bible, that's where I'm going. Because <laughs> I got, got a lot of sin in my time. life. You got time to come back. Yeah, but I don't know. I just That don't make sense to me. Yeah. It does not make sense to me that if I live a good life and pray and get saved, I'm going to live eternally in heaven. But if I stole a pencil in the fourth grade and I forgot to give it back and say I'm sorry, I'm going to burn in a flame for eternity right next to Hitler. <laughs> I don't see that. I don't see how that could be. That's a, a really interesting way to look at theology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's so and, and I and I, I don't like I don't like to dangle I don't like to come. Uh, I don't like to recruit people by making them scared and telling them about a lake of fire. That that ain't there ain't nothing Christ-like about that to me. I was watching. I went to see Book of Mormon the other day, and you know it's it is what it is, and it's it's uh, <laughs> kind of a startling musical. But watching the Mormon characters, sort of, I thought, what a wonderful place that must be if you actually believe everything. Absolutely. You know, if you if your if your political party is always right. And your God is always on your side, and you pick the right God. Oh my God! You know that's, that's one thing I envy. 
And I don't think I'm better than anybody. I don't think I'm smarter than anybody. But when I go to, ch I do like to go to church and see my friends and have fellowship with people that I love. But when I see them with their hands raised up in the air and tears rolling down their face, tears of joy, and they're and they're just in a euphoric thing, I envy that. Yeah. And I I wish them that, and I don't think they should change anything. Right. You know, but you just can't get to it. I can't get to it yeah. anymore. I can get to it, but not in the way they get to it. Right. I get, I get into it. You know, when I walk out of my house and go to the lake behind my house, and, and I throw my fishing rod out, and and I'm just looking at, feeling the breeze on my face, and and everything. That's church to me. Yeah. You know. Carry your faith everywhere you go. Mix it with love. another song I don't like half the folks I love yeah that again I don't think there's another uh, song on the planet with that theme well I don't, I don't know I'd, ha I'd have to poll the entire earth to give an answer yeah. to that question You'd probably waste but that would take a lot of time with <laughs> more than 20 minutes but anyway. so where'd that come from well you know it's just a fact of life you know that uh, there's you know like when you go to family Christmas Nine times out of ten, there's probably one or two people there that you don't really enjoy even seeing, uh, but you you love them, but you have to kind of love them from afar because they just get on your nerves, and they try to push your buttons, and you know, and like when I go to my family Christmas, somebody might say, "Paul, are you still singing? You still singing song?" <laughs> I just say, "No, I'm just I've quit singing, and I'm working in a factory." And I'm making, I'm building furniture. And they're happy just, for I say, it just didn't work out. <laughs> and they say, well, I tried to tell you. You know, that kind of thing. So, um. And if there's a good, if hell is real, them's the one that's going to be there. <laughs> we just can't hang out anymore, but I still wish them love. So tell me, uh, you know, got a great body of work. If, if uh, in the afterlife on that topic, you're hanging out with Cole Porter and he's saying, here's a few of the songs I wrote. And you'd say, well, I'm most proud of this one. Is there, as, and I'm talking not, you know, people always ask artists, what's your favorite song? I don't, that doesn't matter. I want to know, if you look at the craft of songwriting, what are you really proud of? Of something I wrote? Yeah, I wrote the heck out of that song. I'm proud Man, of that song. that's a hard question. Uh, this is a big league radio. I don't know, man. I, I just, I don't know if it's, 
one that kind of sticks out of my head is a song I wrote called um, I Have a Good Day Every Now and Then. Yeah. And it was the reason for it is the story behind it, which was a guy I was friends with uh, who was a very encouraging presence, and he would compliment me on my songwriting way long ago when nobody else even said anything about it. He got Parkinson's disease, and a lot of things started going bad, and his... Uh, his wife left him for a younger man. It was just like the worst you could imagine a situation to be. And I called him on the phone to check on him. I knew he was in a bad way. And I said, how are you, man? And he goes, well, I have a good day every now and then. And so I wrote the song after I got off the phone. And then not long after that, he, he the burden of what he was going through became so great that he took his own life. And so even though he took his own life, that sentence he said, I have a good day every now and then, is a glimmer of hope. He he lost hope, but maybe when somebody hears, I have a good day every now and then, and they're at their lowest point, it might make them go in the right direction and take and change their mind and stay alive, you know? So that song really means something to me. I'm not saying it's my best song, but it really means a lot to me because I've had to say to myself, a few, now, I never wanted to kill myself, but I've been down and depressed. And when I do, I think about, hey, I have a good day every now and then, and there's more to come. Some days this deep cut just stops bleeding. There's only a scar. I have a good day every now and then. I count my blessings. talking about John Prine um, and what strikes me about John and there's a lot of common ground between the two of you humor irreverence and just great songwriting but he would take a song like uh, Flag the Cow won't get you into heaven anymore he said what now? Flag the Cow won't oh, get yeah, you into yeah, heaven yeah. anymore so that song was written I think in 1970 and I heard him play it throughout the 70s he stopped playing it until the war in Iraq and then you heard him working into his, huh. his, his set because it wasn't relevant, as relevant in eighties and nineties. Yeah. So Are the songs that ebb and flow for you a song that you know, like that just become more timely from time to time? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, how do I say? It? Uh, I try to write all my songs where you can sing them anytime. Okay. Yeah. That's the, the, I try to make them have a universal thing, you know, like what I just said about have a good day every now and then. That's going to be something you can say at any time. Right. A hundred years from now or two years ago. Yeah. So uh, we've run out of time and it's been a great conversation. Can you um, can you give me a hint on the album title? I don't have a name for the album title yet. No, I don't. But I've got a group of songs. That's, it took me a long time to get them together, but I'm... I've worked hard on them. I'm really proud of them. And um, I think I've got some things that, some of the songs that might help somebody along the way and make people feel better and give everybody hope. I try to put hope in all my songs. There's hope in them, you know. Yeah. I might say something bad but I'll, about something, but I'll try to give all my songs, I try to give a way out for everybody and a way up, you know. That's a good way to write and a good way to live. Yeah, you know, it, it is, you know. 
and I'm, you know, and led, I've had a good ride, and I feel like I'm just getting started, and, and you know, I've never really, in, like a lot, you know, a lot of times artists, they'll just blow up all at once, boom, that's never happened to me, and, and but I've always had steady growth my entire career, and, and the older I get, the more I see I should be thankful for that, because there's so many people better than me that can't get nothing going. And so I'm thankful, and I've had a great support group, and, and uh, you know, like yourself and Jesse Scott and, and this radio station, it's, it all goes hand in hand, and I just try to be kind and nurture everything I come in contact with, you know. Terrific. Thank you, Paul Thorne. Thank you for joining us on Americana One, and thank you all for listening. Please join us again next week. Our thanks to Erica Nalo for her always sterling production and to Dave Paulson for writing the theme music. This is Americana One.